I'm going to begin with prayer, and then I will eventually get to our scripture reading this morning, but, but let me pray for us. Oh, Father, um, we need you. We need you to come uh, speak to us through your word. Remind us of what your heart is like. We are here today to receive what you have planned to give us today, our daily bread for today. Um, So I ask that your spirit would strengthen the hearts of every person in this room. Strengthen the heart of the preacher and uh, help us rest in you this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I've I've just been struck lately by by the dailiness of walking with God, the day-by-dayness of uh, walking with Jesus. You know, uh, so far in Genesis, we're only, what, chapter 15, chapter 16, but we've covered about 1,200 years of time and story. Um, the people in, who lived Genesis, who lived those 1,200 years, um, lived it day by day. And, and we've just kind of flown over it in a couple of months' time. Um, We've thought about Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with God. Uh, We were told that Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. When we get to chapter 17, God's going to say to Abraham, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Um... kind of obvious, but walking is step by step, <laughs> and uh, walking with God is one day at a time. So I, I think about those people, you know, all, all these folks we've uh, studied so far in Genesis, and what was it like in between the times that they had those encounters with God? Um during those times when they didn't necessarily see him or hear from him. No, none of these big events were taking place. They just, day by day, got up and walked with God. C.S. Lewis wrote, Relying on God has to begin all over again every day. Relying on God has to begin all over again every day. And um, I've just been feeling that lately um, in my own life. I don't know if it's because I'm in my mid-50s or if it's just because of the 
weight of the many things that there are to carry. Um, I'm sure it has to do with my weakness. But I, I just... I just feel the day-to-dayness of relying on God every day, starting over. Alarm goes off. It snooze more times than Christine would like me to. And the prayer that I pray <clears throat> in between snoozes is, God help me. Help me do today. Um, Help me to do what you have called me to do today. I don't know that I can do it. Um, It's a lot. But I, I just need to focus on today. So, Lord, you promised. You promised you're with me. You promised you're in me. The spirit of Jesus lives in me. And so I'm going to get out of this bed, and I'm going to walk to the shower, and you're going to have to help me. And um, I know that from conversations with you and others that we have in our lives, um, it's, it's just, it's daily, it's it's day after day, one day at a time. Um, we have a friend who, um, a co-worker of Christine's, whose wife is a, a young woman who grew up in the church that we served in Dallas. We've known her parents for 30 years. Um, she grew up there. She's in her 30s. And she has a, a rare disease that causes blood clots in her body. Uh, she has three young children, and recently she had COVID, and now she has blood clots in her legs, in her lungs, and one in her heart. And she spent time in ICU this week. They're administering medications to try to, uh, clot buster medication to try to break up that clot in her heart. They're having trouble finding something that works. I mean... The weight of that, um, a dear friend of mine whose father is in his final days, um, marriages I'm aware of that are under so much pressure right now. People, including pastors I know, struggling with uh, a a grip of a besetting sin in their life that has come upon uh, their life and their family. Um, Folks who struggle with what, what, what is God doing in my life? And, and that question comes from what he's not doing. Um, so I, I'm just, I just wanted to kind of pause this week and think about the day-to-dayness 
of walking with Jesus. Um, you know, we someone has said that we followers of Jesus are like we're beggars who show other beggars where we found bread, right? So here I'm I'm a beggar and I want to show you this morning where I've found some bread, um, some daily bread. And uh, that's going to be in Psalm 68. But before we read those couple of verses together, um, King David, who wrote these verses, knew the day-by-dayness of walking with God himself. Listen to the, he knew what it was like to be sustained by God daily. Uh, Psalm 3, 5, he says, I lay down and slept, I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Now that's a, that's a positive, that's an encouraging, um, he knew the sustaining, life-giving grace of God every day. I lay down and slept, and I woke up again, for the Lord sustained me. And some of you might be thinking, well, that would be nice if I knew that day-to-day sustaining of God in my life. Sometimes I, I can't sleep because of the pressures I face. Well, David understands that too. He understands the day-to-dayness of wondering where God is. In Psalm 22, it starts this way. This is David. Of course, these words were quoted by Jesus on the cross, but this is David talking. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day and you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. And that's still a day-to-dayness of walking with God, but a day-to-dayness of walking, sensing, and feeling the absence, the abandonment of God. Um, wow! The, why are you so far from saving me? Why are you? Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? Just from listening to my cry. I cry by day, you don't answer. I cry by night, and I find no rest. Some of you are there. Some of you are there. Or you know someone who is. And yet in Psalm 68, where we're just going to be in a couple of verses this morning, David tells us something about God, about God's dailiness. Something about God that, that David has learned that has helped him um, and these verses have, have been bread, daily bread to me. Um, and so I, I just, and I have shared them with some folks um, in their day, day-to-day struggles. And, and I just thought, I want to share them with all of us, okay? Um, and so I, I dug into them a little more and I thought, more widely throughout the Bible where it talks about this daily walk with God, this day-to-day relying on God. Um, So I I just want to share some of these thoughts with you. 
uh, this morning. Um, and I trust that the Lord will encourage you. Um, before I read these verses, this, this psalm of David uh, was written, we believe, um, in honor of uh, what happened in 2 Samuel 6 when the Ark of the Covenant was finally brought to Jerusalem. And David had been working and working to get the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem so that he, and he built a tent for it, a tabernacle, so that God's throne, which is the Ark, God's mercy seat would be in the midst of his people, finally, um, in Zion, in Jerusalem. And so this, this psalm is, is kind of a victory, a victory parade psalm. In the first 18 verses, David covers about 500 years of Israel's past. Um, and verse 17 kind of sums up what that history is. When it says Sinai is now in the sanctuary. So in these first 18 verses, David is describing um, God's victory march from Mount Sinai, where the law was given, and the ark's journey from Sinai to its sanctuary in Jerusalem, um, in Zion. It's it's a victory parade. Um, The throne of God, the mercy seat of God, is finally settled and secure in the midst of God's people. Well, then the second half of Psalm 68, the last half of the psalm, looks to the future. Um, Now that God, David is is rejoicing that now that God has his throne and his mercy seat in Jerusalem on Zion, in the midst of his people, now... The kingdoms of the world will come under his reign, under his rest. And the nations will sing praise to God because of who he is. Um, But these verses that we're going to focus on this morning, they're right in the middle of the psalm. They're kind of the hinge, actually, of the psalm. And what's fascinating is that while... The first part of the psalm is about what God's done to be Victoria, the victorious king in the past and how he's going to be the worldwide victorious king in the future. These verses focus on the present, on the day by day. So he, he looked at 500 years of history of God's victory and then he boils it down to say, well, what does that tell us about God today for his people? So... If you would uh, look in your bulletin and stand with me as we read it, um, I asked I asked Heather to print it in four different translations. These two verses, just to give just to give us a flavor of what they say. So, hear the word of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. Okay, another version. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation. God is to us a God of deliverances, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death. 
in the New English translation. The Lord deserves praise. Day after day, he carries our burden, the God who delivers us. Our God is a God who delivers the Lord. The sovereign Lord can rescue from death. And then finally, the NIV. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves from the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So, what David is saying in these verses is that what God did for his people over centuries of time, he also did for them a day at a time. He was bearing them up day by day by day by day those 500 years, all along the way. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul quotes verse 18 of this psalm, which comes right before what we just read. Um, It says this, it's talking to God the King, David is saying, you ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious that the Lord God may dwell there. That was kind of the, the peak. The, the Ark of the Covenant is finally in Jerusalem. God is establishing his reign there. Well, Paul quotes that verse and applies it to Jesus. He applies it to Jesus' victorious march, Jesus' victorious parade of his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to the right hand of God the Father, where he's seated on the throne. Paul says, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And then Paul makes this comment about that verse. He says, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended, talking about Jesus, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And so, friends, um, we can enjoy these two verses that David gives us, verses 19 and 20, in a way that David could only dream. Because Jesus is Yahweh, the victorious king. And he came down to earth in the flesh uh, to conquer all the enemies that we've talked about from Genesis chapter 3. He came and he's conquered all the enemies. He's conquered sin, he's conquered Satan, he's conquered death and conquers the suffering that death brings. The sin and suffering, uh, the sin and death bring. Jesus is the victorious King. He's ascended far above all the heavens, and He fills all things. So, what Jesus did for all His people over all of the years, He did for each of His people each day. He's the He's the God of salvation. He is our salvation. He's the God who, uh, to whom belongs deliverances from death. So let let me just kind of, I'll share with you some of the practical things that I've gleaned from 
these verses, um, and uh, I hope they'll encourage you and help you. Um, the first thing is that he's bearing us daily. He's bearing us up daily, it says. It is a day at a time, and he's doing it. He's promised. Um, he is our salvation. He's the God to whom belong deliverances from death. And that's true for your whole life, but it's true for every day of your life. And so I, I just, I know that sounds, this sounds simple and kind of, well, yeah. But I, I, I'm, just, I'm just sensing that I need to know that he's carrying me today. Because I get overwhelmed when I look too many days ahead. So how, how do we trust that he's carrying us today? Well, what else does he say? He says, uh, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. In fact, uh, that verse 20 where it says, our God is a God of salvation, it's actually plural. He's a God of salvations. He has a whole storehouse full of salvations. So friends, I don't know what is going on in your life, whether it's something that's caused by you, your own sin, your own Foolish choices, your own humanity of, well, I'm a human and I, I'm limited. Or whether it's caused by something outside of you. Um, but he is your salvation. You can't save yourself. And if you find yourself in this dailiness of pressure and anxiety and burden then Jesus has got you in a place of dependence on him. And maybe, like me, you're feeling a sense of your dependence on him that you've never felt before, a level of it. I've said this before, but we're always dependent, and sometimes we realize it, right? And maybe you're in a place where you are more aware than ever that you cannot save yourself. You cannot rescue yourself from whatever it is that's going on, whether you've done it or somebody else has done it or life has done it to you. You can't rescue yourself. But what, what Jesus has done for you in saving you um, from your sins proves that he's willing to keep saving. Okay, here's a really cool passage that I'd never seen before from Isaiah 46. Listen to this. You can go back and read it later. Isaiah's talking about idols, about these pieces of wood and metal that people would worship. And he says, Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are borne as burdens on weary beasts. So he's saying, you have to carry your idols, your gods, on a donkey or a horse. 
or cannot. Okay, hang on. These gods stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Then God says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear. I will carry, and I will save. People who worship little g gods have to carry those gods. Your God carries you. And, and you might say, well, okay, that's good. I don't worship idols. I don't worship other gods. But think of it this way. We're all still, we all still have that tendency to want to lean on something to get us through the day. So it may be that what you think of when the alarm first goes off is the thing that you're hoping will carry you through your day. I don't know. Um, I have thought that uh, my work would save me that day on on particular days. I've thought that um, I've thought that having a house I I live in that's got a full pantry and a full fridge. You know how good it feels when your pantry's full and your fridge is full? Your gas tank's full? Your bills are paid? I've thought that some of that stuff, if I could just get that stuff squared away, I could rest. Um, I have thought that um, achievement would give me rest and would make my day better. Um, I have thought that being liked or appreciated, would, whatever it is, I mean, we're, we're the same. We do this. What is it that we look to, look forward to, lean on during the day that we hope will get us through the day? Well, the thing is, with all of those things I just mentioned, I have to carry them in order for them to hopefully carry me. I have to feed the job and make sure it's going well and everybody's happy and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in order for me to feel good from it. I have to make sure the house is in order and not falling apart and I have to make sure the fridge is full. I have to make sure the pantry's full and there's gas in the tank. I have to uh, make sure that I've achieved enough. If I want those little G gods to carry me, I have to carry them. And that's just miserable. And God is saying, you can have gods that you have to carry, or you can have me. I'm a God who will carry you. Even when all of those things, all those little G-gods that you uh, hope will carry you, but you have to sustain them, even when they fail you, I won't, I'll carry you. He says, G 
Jesus says, come to me with your weariness and your burden, and I'll carry you. And as I mentioned, verse 20 says, our God is a God of salvations. His salvations don't run out. He has plenty. Do you need mercy? Listen to Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So when I wake up in the morning, Lord, you promised your mercies would be fresh and new for me this morning. I didn't use them up yesterday, and you've got a fresh supply today. Please, God, I put my hope in you. You are my salvation. So he's our salvation. But then I I love this phrase where he says, um, with Uh, To God, the Lord, belong deliverances from death. Deliverances from death. Um, And again, it's plural. He's got an endless supply of deliverances from death. Um, Do you have days where you feel like you die every day? There's something... There's some sort of death every day. Paul said that. Um, Paul said that in Romans 8, he says, as it is written, for your sake, Lord, we are being killed all the day long. Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 15, he said, I die every day. And he said to them again in in 2 Corinthians, he said, I don't want you to be unaware of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Is that your experience? Have you come to a place where you were so utterly burdened beyond your own strength that you felt as if you received the sentence of death? Paul says, but that, speaking of God's purpose, that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. But Paul doesn't say when or how that deliverance is going to happen. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, Paul was killed by Rome. God did deliver him in that moment (laughs) permanently to the presence of Jesus. But Paul was convinced that in some way, some fashion, somehow, God had delivered him and he would deliver him again. But he didn't always deliver him um, the way he wanted because he was stoned almost to death. He was shipwrecked several times. Um, He spent days and nights in the cold. I mean, there's all these things, all these ways God didn't deliver him. But he set his hope on God that he would deliver him somehow. 
deliverances, plural. He has many of them. Um, my dad was supposed to start this past Wednesday five and a half weeks of radiation on this malignant tumor on his arm, but <laughs> poor guy caught a virus, an upper respiratory virus, so that's been postponed till tomorrow. But as I was thinking about this, this radiation oncologist has this machine, and he's going to do 28 rounds of radiation on my dad. And I think to myself, well, why not more? Come on, if you got 28, surely you have 29 or 30. Let's kill this thing. My doctor, my dad's doctor has all the radiation blasts that he needs at his disposal. But he's the one who knows how many to deliver, when to give them, how long, at what intensity. He's the one who knows. And our father has all the deliverances from death that we could possibly ever need. Um, but he's not going to always give you as many as you think you need. He's only going to give you the ones that he knows you need. And I, that, I know that sound, that's easy to say, but for the person sitting here this morning who says, well, why did he deliver me then, but not now? Why did he l- deliver them then and not me now? You know? That's where we have to trust the heart of the one who says, he is our salvation. And he will daily bear us up. Even when he doesn't deliver, he will bear us up. Um, and, and even if he doesn't deliver, like we learned a few weeks ago, how Paul had that thorn in the flesh and God said, I'm not going to remove it. My grace is enough for you. I'm enough for you. There is something else he is doing daily, even when he's not delivering. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Jesus is still committed to conforming us to his likeness, to his image, to making us uh, be people who live and love like he does. And sometimes maybe the the wasting away of (laughs) non-deliverances that we feel is the very thing he's using to renew us day by day. He goes on and says, this light momentary affliction, which I always, I'm like, that's not fair, Paul. You know it doesn't feel light or momentary. But he's looking at it from a different perspective. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. This light temporary thing is preparing us for a heavy eternal thing, a glory beyond all comparison. 
Well, those are some of the encouragements that I've received from these verses um, about my day-to-day dependence and need for Jesus. But there's one other thing I thought about um, that I wanted to encourage us with as we finish. Um, And it's something that you all do well. Um, And I want to just encourage us to keep doing. You know, um, in David's day, the Lord dwelt in the tabernacle or later the temple. His presence was there uh, on the the throne between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. Um, But now, since Jesus has come, Jesus is where the presence of God dwells. He is the temple. He is the tabernacle. And we know that the spirit of Jesus has moved into all of us who are trusting Jesus and following him. And so Paul says that we are the temple, and that the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of Yahweh, resides in us and lives in us, both as individuals and we corporately are the temple. And so in your day-by-day struggle, um, when you can't carry it and nothing else seems to carry you, Jesus says his spirit lives with us and within us. He's that close. But because that's true, the presence of Jesus through each of us is available to each of us. Here's what, I'm, here's what I mean. We help carry each other's day-by-day burdens. And here's two of them. The burden of struggling to believe and trust God and just the daily burden of um, whether it's our sin or our suffering. Listen to these verses. Hebrews chapter 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be in in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. In other words... The day-to-day, whatever you're carrying and the pressures you face could lead you to fall away from the living God and to not trust him and believe him anymore. And the writer, the author of Hebrews knows that, is aware of that. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So what do we do? Exhort one another every day. As long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so, because the Spirit of Jesus is in us and among us as God's people, we need to be exhorting each other. Uh, encouraging one another, keep trusting Jesus. Keep trusting him every day. I know it doesn't look like there's any good reason to sometimes, but you have to. Look what he's done for us. If he has won this victorious uh, battle against sin and Satan and death and suffering for us, 
and surely he will carry you day by day until the day you see him. Hang on, dear brother. Hang on, dear sister. We do this for each other. I heard Joe Novenson, uh, who was the pastor at Lookout Mountain uh, Prez for a long time, I heard him say that he has five brothers that he's put on his list, and he's, uh, he's asked them, he said, if I call you, you have to answer the phone because I need you in that moment to make Jesus big for me. That's what Hebrews is talking about. Exhort one another, help remind each other how big and beautiful and load-bearing Jesus is for each other so that we will hang on. And you do that for each other well. And, and I commend you for that. And I ask you, keep, let's keep doing that. We can be a part of what God is doing to bear one another up daily. And if you are in a place where you need one of us to make Jesus big to you, you're, you're struggling and you need for us to come alongside you and, and help, then you, you've also got to have the humility to reach out and say, help me. You call me, you text me, you whatever, get to me if you can't get to somebody else. I'll get you in touch with somebody. We have to help carry each other. And that's what Galatians 6 says. Bear one another's burdens. So, I, <laughs> my thoughts are a little... A little rambly, but that's, that's where I've been this week. I was thinking about the day-to-dayness. Like Lewis said, relying on God is something I have to do over and over again every day. Father, would you um, help us to help each other to see that because of all that Jesus has done for us and who he is in us, by your spirit. You are daily bearing us up. Only you can save us. You have so many deliverances from death and only you know how to use them well in our lives. So would you, would you help us to wake up every morning with a new, fresh hunger and thirst for your mercies that you promise will be there with a new and fresh dependence and reliance upon you that we wake up and the first thing we think is, oh God, I can't do this today without you. And you promised you'd be with me. And you promised that you're in me. And so I'm going to get out of bed. And I'm going to start walking toward all the things you've called me to do, toward all the people you've called me to love. Oh, help us, God, to do that. Um, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.